All right. Five Tool Deal is back, and this week we've got a new type of episode, a, a special breaking news edition covering Pepsi's acquisition of Rockstar. I'm Paretsky. I'm JR. This week we're moving to a slightly new format. JR, you want to talk a little bit about it? Yeah, we're just gonna we're just gonna shoot it live. We're gonna go live and uh, talk about a deal that just happened recently and kind of walk through the key updates, what we think about it. Fresky and I have not discussed this deal at all yet, so you guys are hearing it here first, and uh, we'll see how this goes. We're just trying out something new. Yeah, we're gonna hopefully let you in a little bit on our process, help you figure out kind of how how we process, how we think through these deals the types of discussions that we have in order to kind of come to an understanding around what this deal is really about, why it makes sense. And hopefully it'll be insightful and, and help you get a little bit smarter on the uh, world of M&A. And in this case, specifically around retail, consumer packaged goods and beverages. Right. No, absolutely. So I think we got to start by just saying why this is a pretty big deal, because this is a massive deal if you actually look at all things considering Right, we have Pepsi, one of the biggest companies in the world, and Coca-Cola going at it. And that's where this is coming into play. And they're trying to basically compete for this this energy drink space, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's uh, definitely a, a good a good key takeaway. But before we get into it too much, let's roll the music. <laughs> So now that we're getting into it, we talked about how this is the biggest deal. This is a very big deal uh, where we see Pepsi and Coca-Cola kind of competing for this energy drink space. It's also be Pepsi's uh, first major acquisition since the CEO actually joined the company, which is pretty interesting. A lot, a lot for him to go through. Um, Going to be a big first for him. But basically, they're just trying to take advantage of this super growing market of the energy drink space because of this rapid decline of soda sales, right? I mean, people aren't buying their Coke and Pepsi anymore, um, but everyone is going and looking for energy that has not stopped. Yeah. I think that you're, you're absolutely right to start off, not just talking about Pepsi, but also Coke here. I think it's valuable that we set the stage a little bit and that we discuss a little bit what the shape of Coke and Pepsi actually is and what those markets look like. When Coke and Pepsi originated, uh, this was really the heyday of soda in America. And they made it a real global phenomenon beyond water and more boring drinks, you know, milk, which had been previously available and dominating this space. And over time, Coke and Pepsi uh, came to really dominate and be the two behemoths in this market, owning pretty much all of the other major soda brands. There's Dr. Pepper Snapple, which is a third, like younger brother, much smaller, but pretty much every other soda, Sprite, Fanta, Root Beer, whatever, all of those different companies are either owned by Pepsi or Coke. Right. They own everything. I mean, it's crazy. It, you, you, just to give an example of what Coke owns, I mean, 
they own smart water, which is something I probably learned about within the last year. Um, but I think that was kind of the most, most, the biggest example of this shift, right? Where we see that these soda companies kind of focusing more towards these healthier spaces. Um, but now we're seeing a shift with this energy drink space uh, where we see it's growing at 7.1% in terms of how they took that measurement is they looked at all the energy drink sales um, for what's on the market right now and basically just looked at their revenue growth over the past trending years and came up with the average of 7.1%, which is pretty, it, that's a really good growth rate um, with all things considering. But I also think it's interesting that these two players have both been involved. This, they are not new to the energy drink space. They are just taking more of a focus, right? So they're not, they're not, they're not, this is not a nuance for them. They're not new to the space. They've actually had a relationship with Rockstar too. Pepsi specifically was previously responsible for the distribution of Rockstar. And that contract actually prohibited them from ever, you know, allowing them to expand and maybe distribute other uh, energy drinks as well as maybe sell or acquire other targets. So this was kind of a non-compete to some extent. And now they're kind of kind of eliminating that by just kind of, if you can't do it, just buy it, right? Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you uh, brought up the distribution. I think that, that's, that's all absolutely correct. When we talk about Pepsi now and what Pepsi is, their brand is one key aspect of their strength. But likely more important than the Pepsi brand itself is the scale that they have within beverages. And that applies both to their production and manufacturing, as well as to their distribution. And so by not just being Pepsi, right, just to give you run through the list of some of the things that Pepsi owns, they own Mountain Dew, they own Tropicana Orange Juice, they own Gatorade, they own Lipton Tea, they own Aquafina and Life Water in the bottled water space. They own Sierra Mist. They own Brisk Lemonade. They own Soda Stream, which is a sparkling water maker that I'm addicted to, and Bubbly, another <laughs> uh, sparkling water brand. They own Izzy, which you can buy in, for some reason, never in, never see them in grocery stores, but only in like fast casual type restaurants, right? right. The list goes on and on. Uh, and the reason why they are able to own all of these brands and create more value together than Pepsi could be as a standalone brand is because of those distribution capabilities. Because by having this scale, they have access to and relationships with pretty much every retailer in the country. And that lets them get not just placement for Pepsi in the right locations, but also for other sodas and their other beverages. And Rockstar had a relationship with Pepsi in order to capitalize on that. Rockstar wanted to expand their distribution and it's hard to do that as a standalone brand and tapped into this global network that Pepsi had, but it came with costs like you were talking about, JR. Right. And to, to add on a little bit of that too, right. With what the energy drinks they currently had been selling and distributing, so Mountain Dew is one of them. Pretty much everyone, every kid knows, don't give a kid Mountain Dew. Yeah, <laughs> it's running around. a soda. Yeah, it's, it's an energy drink. <laughs> right, but, but fairly recently we see Mountain Dew have come out with their Kickstarter drink, right? So that was another launch, product launch, that was trying to capitalize on 
this growing space. And they also were looking at some drink called Game Fuel. I'm not too familiar with it, but then AMP as well. And I'm pretty familiar with AMP. I remember we used to have a couple of those back in the heyday and just to keep us going, didn't really have any idea what was in them, <laughs> which is the scary part, but it is something that is not going away. And we're clearly seeing, you know, not a trajectory, which we talked a little bit about with the milk uh, podcast a couple of weeks ago, right? We're seeing people go away from milk and drinking more water. Well, if they're not drinking milk, they're also drinking other things too. And I think it's an in increase in water consumption as well as what they call a functional beverage space, which is a lot of those brands that you talked about, right? Lipton tea, bubbly, you know, it's more than just energy drinks, but we're seeing the trend this way. And uh, this is just a pure strategic movement in trying to capitalize on that. Yeah, JR, a couple thoughts. So first off, for those who might not know, when we talk about functional drinks, we're talking about something that serves a purpose beyond just tasting good. And what that means is people are moving away from something like soda that might just be empty calories and tastes good. And they want something that's actually going to add something to their life, whether it's a vitamin water and it's going to have antioxidants or it's a CBD drink that's going to help soothe their muscles. Or in this case, an energy drink that's going to help energize them, keep them alert, keep them awake in an increasingly busy uh, world where it's harder and harder to, to get good night's sleep. Uh, that, that functional drink space is certainly growing where people want more out of their drink than just taste. They want it to serve some real purpose in their lives. That's right. thing number one. Think, thing number two, you've done a really good job, JR, breaking down, I think, some of the key consumer trends that are leading to this shift and that are making Pepsi want to invest in the energy drink space and make sure that they have a good amount of exposure uh, in that space. Because what a company like Pepsi really wants to do is since they're such a big company, they're not necessarily super good at innovating and creating new types of beverages that are going to fit to changing consumer tastes because they can't move as quickly as smaller, more agile companies. And so for Pepsi, they really are focused on risk diversification and making sure that no matter how the consumer trends change, say people start drinking less soda, they want to make sure that the other items in that portfolio are able to have an uptick in consumption in order to still continue their growth. And so beyond this specific deal, which gives them access to a new growing category uh, from a, on, a, on a deeper level, not just from a distribution standpoint, but now actually owning the manufacturing and owning the brand, they also are really trying to ensure that that diversification stays and that they can continue to continue to see an increase in the consumption of their products, even as consumer trends shift. Right. I think, yeah, I mean, we, we've touched pretty heavily extensively on the consumer trend space, right? Where this is pretty strategic on trying to capitalize in that growth there. Then we've also talked about the brand and then we just touched pretty heavily on the supply chain manufacturing and distribution of kind of where Pepsi's at and where they're trying to go. I also think it would be really good to kind of look more specifically at the energy drink market itself, Let's do it. right? So we have Coke, which owns 19%, it has a 19% stake in Monster Energy, 
which to give a little overview of kind of what that market share looks like, Red Bull is by and far the biggest leader in that market share with almost double the second place monster. And then in third or fourth with Bang now coming into play, Rockstar has been kind of in that three and four spot competing back and forth. And And this is global, JR? This is global sales. Yeah. I mean, from 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 what I've heard, it I think Red Bull has has almost sold as many cans of Red Bull as there are people on this Ooh. earth, which is <laughs> it. I read that and I was like trying to fact check it. I was like, this can't be possible. That's nuts. That's crazy. <laughs> On um, that note, JR, this is a, <laughs> I can't, can't reveal the, the name of the, the company or, or who the client was, but I had a, a client who the CEO, every single meeting that I was in with him, whether it was at 8 a.m. or 4 p.m., he would consume one Red Bull per 30 minutes without fail. And that included a two hour workshop that we were in together where he drank four Red Bulls back to back to back to back. So <laughs> he's, he's certainly doing his part to help Red Bull. And the, the whole it? fridge at this, at this client was just full of Red Bull all the time. That was only for him. That's crazy. I mean, you hear stories of like college students dying from that stuff. I mean, it's, it's nuts what too much caffeine can actually do to some kids and these energy drinks, you don't know what's going to be in them. I mean, the Mountain Dew piece of it, if, I don't know, I thought that was bad enough, but I thought <laughs> caffeine was gonna, just going to add on to it. But, um, but I also think it's really interesting because Coke, right, they have a, a 19% stake in Monster currently. So they're already currently partially invested in a major, uh, you know, producer or uh, a player in this market. However, they are also planning to launch their own energy drink in 2020, which I think is huge um, in terms of what we're talking about here, right? Pepsi, Coke, the two big guys just going back and forth. I almost want to consider them brothers just trying to be competitive and, you know, this Coke announcement has been out for a while where they're going to launch, it's just Coke energy. And they have the original flavor that has your same similar Coca-Cola taste, as well as a cherry cola taste, but with a, a ton of caffeine, just what you want, right? Yeah, that's, that's a really important point, JR, and a really interesting one when you think about the energy market specifically. I think that the lens that I like to think about this type of situation through is really that when you talk about a industry like energy drinks and specifically how companies want to compete and grow their revenue and their profitability in an industry, there's really two vectors that you have for revenue growth specifically. Vector one is growth of the whole category. That is just more people consuming energy drinks or people consuming more of it or people consuming more energy drinks per year, say. That's vector one. Uh, Number two is growing your market share within the energy drink market. And so the Coke story is a really interesting one. It'll be really interesting to see how that shapes out in line with this, because on the one hand, it might reduce the market share of a brand which they already have. Uh, or that they own part of, which is uh, Monster. And it might hurt Rockstar, it might hurt Bang, it might hurt all of these other energy drink companies uh, because they can take a larger share of the energy drink market. The second element of it, though, is that it might be that Coke energy drinks 
bring energy drinks to a group of people who currently only drink Coca-Cola and don't drink energy drinks. And so in that sense, it might be a category expander and grow the overall market for energy drinks rather than stealing market share from the rock stars and the Red Bulls of the world. So that'll be really interesting to see how it shakes out. And the other thing that's really important for a company like Coke to consider in this case is cannibalization. And cannibalization, for those who might not know, is when a company that sells multiple products launches a new product, say, which sells, but those sales are taken away from one of their existing products. And so this is something that's really challenging to navigate and can be really problematic for these diversified beverage companies, which is that if Coca-Cola Energy starts converting Coca-Cola drinkers into Coca-Cola Energy drink drinkers, that might not make Coke more money. Um, whereas what they, must, what they must be betting on is that more than it's going to do that, it is going to steer people from companies like Red Bull and other energy drink producers to Coca-Cola. And, and that's how it, and it's going to increase their market share in that space without too much hurting their market share in the soda space, say, or that shrinking the soda space category. And that's going to do better for them. Right. Without shrinking it more than it already is, right? We're already seeing a, a, a kind of a constant decline on that front. But yep. yes, I think you covered it very well in terms of kind of the different ways that this could potentially, um, you know, unfold. And they both have had their toes dipped in the in the energy uh, drink space for a while now and been invested. But, you know, Coke didn't really have their hands tied. And so they've been working on developing this product in-house to be their own supplier producer of their new Coke energy drink while also being invested with a small stake in a current big player where on the other side of things, Pepsi has, they've been distributing some energy drinks and dabbled in it with their Kickstarter campaign, but um, as well as Amp, but they've never really taken on a big major primary brand for this space. I mean, we look at Rockstar, we look at Monster, we look at Red Bull, we think fun, we think adventurous. I mean, they have to be one of the coolest marketing departments to work for in the world. Mm. Um, and I think it's really interesting to see them both at very similar timing. You know, now that Pepsi's hands are untied after this, the, you know, non, non-compete agreement that they had with the distribution side of things, they're both taking a full stake in diving in full, full fully they're not they're not no longer just dipping their toes in um they're going all after this space this is a space that they're clearly seeing trajectory with and i don't think that's going to slow anytime soon yeah very very much so i think that uh i think that the last thing that is really worthwhile to cover about this deal that we haven't really touched on already is just to get a little bit more into the specifics around the types of manufacturing and distribution synergies that Pepsi and Rockstar will have now that Pepsi is bringing Rockstar in-house, because that is an important part of this deal too, is that beyond helping them diversify, beyond helping them grow their sales and make up for declining soda sales with uh, a, a, bigger, a faster growing category, uh, the other element of this is that Rockstar can become more profitable with the synergies that it has with, with Pepsi. 
Um, so, Jared, you want to you start off and maybe start going into to some of the synergies that you would expect from this type of deal? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think it's uh, in its more simplistic form, right? Let's, let's talk about them as two separate entities, and let's focus on Rockstar to start, right? A smaller company that's primarily focused around this energy drink. I mean, their entire brand, their entire company is around this energy drink, and they're spending money on distribution just trying to get their name everywhere right i mean that's that's how they built the brand that even isn't comparable to a monster and red bull i mean it's 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 up there i mean people know what rockstar is and that is because of how much money they've had to throw at distribution and marketing um and so now that they're going to be joining forces with pepsi pepsi has more money than they know what to do with and the distribution channels aren't just carrying one product Right. So they're already making these routes, for example, and now they're just going to throw a couple extra cans on the bus and they're just going to kind of free free ride on. Um, So they're going to save a lot of money on the distribution side of things. And then from the marketing perspective, they're going to have new channels. I mean, there's going to be new avenues for them to market that they haven't been able to afford previously. I mean, I I don't know if I'm calling a hot take with a with a Super Bowl commercial next year. Who knows? But um, (laughs) But it, it, it could be crazy. I mean, it's there's going to be a lot of a lot of synergies. Um, yeah, definitely. And to, to kind of wrap that up, you know, the other thing, you covered a lot of the marketing and distribution synergies, but uh, two other quick items is one, currently each company has a chief marketing officer. You only need one chief marketing officer, right? Similar with other marketing positions. And so that lets you save more on marketing and get more bang for your buck, bigger, higher ROI on the dollars that you are spending because you have lower cost base on that marketing. Number two, uh, in terms of distribution specifically, uh, and this gives them one of the really interesting things about retail is not just getting it into the right retailers and the right stores, but it's also where in the store your product is placed. And so there's all sorts of, all sorts of nuance here and things that we're not going to go into in a huge amount of detail. But for example, those little uh, shelves that are by checkout in a Target or a Walmart or really any store that you go into are called gondolas. They're like standalone uh, pieces of retail furniture almost Mm. that put products front of mind right when you're checking out specifically things that you might buy is like, a, Oh, let me also buy this. Not, you know, it's not the only thing I came here for, but now that I see it right in front of me, right next to checkout, I'm also going to buy it. And so Pepsi having better relationships with retailers and more negotiating power with retailers can get rockstar potentially into more of those prominent spaces that might make you buy one on a whim when you're like, Oh, I'm actually a little tired. I'm going to get a caffeinated beverage as well. Right. And so that's a, That's another another layer to the, the distribution and the marketing synergies that that you see no. uh, in terms of manufacturing. Right, go on, Derek. No, I was just saying, yeah, no, that I, that's absolutely spot on. And I just want to throw a little tidbit in because I, I thought it, I think it's really interesting in the sense that you walk down an aisle and you see cereal boxes, for example, each of those different cereal companies have somebody that comes in from whether it's a product manager or some marketing guru, but they decide how much they want to pay and where their product is actually organized on the shelf. You pay a lot more to have your product at an eye level, or in this case, at the end of checkout, where you're going to get the volume of everybody walking by it. Um, you're paying a lot more for that, right? So that's that's something that's also an opportunity that 
they're going to be able to spend more money to get that product out there. Right. That's a great point. That's a great point. Uh, it goes further down that kind of retail strategy end of distribution element that, that, uh, that plays into this. Right. In terms of the manufacturing and production side of things, what's really interesting is that all of these companies, these beverage companies like Pepsi, they're buying chemicals in huge bulk, whether it's CO2 that they're using to carbonate all of their sodas and other beverages or flavoring dyes, whatever it is, they already have these extensive relationships and these really well-negotiated cheap wholesale prices because of the quantity they're buying. in. And so between that and the manufacturing synergies and likely being having you know, the, the, the infrastructure, the vats to make these liquids and these sodas at scale and then to bottle them right. or put them in cans in the case of you know, 16 ounce cans mm-hmm. in the case of Rockstar at scale is hopefully going to bring the cost per can down while they can keep the price the same or potentially even consider raising the price in the future, which is going to drive up profit margins. Right. No, and make this a more profitable company. That is a great point. That is a great point. Well, I do have to ask. I mean, I've been I've been kind of sitting on this, but I'm curious. <laughs> what has been your energy drink of choice and why? All right, so I'm so, I, I'm, I'm not a, a big this, energy drink before I ask this, consumer. All right, go on. I want to just add two components to this. I want to look at it, especially <laughs> even more so because you said that you're not a big energy drink uh, drinker. Okay. Okay, one being which brand energy drink from a pure marketing perspective, do you think close most resembles most re- closely resembles you? And then which one do you like the taste of, if any? <laughs> okay, okay. Well, so to, to answer the first question, uh, Red Bull has been the energy drink that I've had the most for sure of of these. I'm definitely not a regular consumer, mm-hmm. but that that has been my go to in these situations. Uh, you know, I've had a couple of, of Red Bull vodkas in my study abroad <laughs> days. <laughs> uh, and so that's, that's the one I've consumed the most. In terms of the one I identify with the most, I think I, I'd, I'd probably stick with Red Bull again. I, I don't know, there's something about the Monster uh, brand that kind of, kind of turns me off. It doesn't feel very fitting with my personality. Whereas Red Bull, I associate with these extreme sports. I associate it with snowboarding. I associate it with uh skydiving and all of this uh this crazy stuff which i don't necessarily do all those things i do snowboard i haven't skydived but (laughs) i really enjoy watching extreme sports and those activities at times uh and so from that perspective i i have a really positive association with red bull even if i'm not a regular consumer what about you jr flipping yeah no i love that and i i have to completely agree especially with the whole winter sports thing i mean the winter olympics and the x games are probably two of my most favorite favorite events to watch on tv um but yeah i'm not a huge energy drinker or uh, energy drink drinker myself either i'm I'm a big coffee guy but um i also think it's interesting just from a consumer preference standpoint we notice you look at most most of the energy drinks they're all primarily 16 ounces except for red bull which i think is pretty interesting um and Ratio wise, they have about the same caffeine, 
since it's 12 ounce can of Red Bull is about 110, 120 gram, or mil milligrams of caffeine, whereas we're looking at a 16 ounce can with like 160. So I think that's interesting of just Red Bull maybe being a more on the go type of getting that volume and, and, and playing a, a factor into why so many more people are preferring that. But back to your question. I love Red Bull's brand. It might be a little bit biased. I actually have a cousin who has done a couple internships with them. He's actually currently did a program where Red Bull is putting out a competition and it's a super cool thing. And basically all these kids in college, they, they put together a video and a pitch for why they think they closely resemble their brand and um, it's almost like self-promotion, right? They're not really paying for these kids to do this, right? But they're doing it anyway. And then they, for the winner, they send the winner winning group over to Europe with a certain number of cans of Red Bull. And that has to be their currency that has to, to get them to the other side of Europe. And they have a certain amount of time to do that. And they film them all the way to figure it out. But it's just a super cool concept. And they're just so creative with everything that they do. They do it right. Um, they do it big. Um, but in terms of the taste, I mean, I, I, I have had a few amps, which is pretty surprising. I mean, we used to have some of those up on the mountain. Um, but Red Bull definitely has been the more often choice. And definitely is in more of those kiosks at the end of the aisle when you're checking out. Hmm. All right. Well, thanks for that answer, JR. Unless you've got anything else, I think we should wrap this podcast up. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Enjoyed this segment. Please let us know what you think. I know this is different. It's unique. Um, but we're also trying to accommodate kind of the feedback that we got, right? Make it more conversational. Um, hopefully you got some great takeaways. I mean, we talked about this deal from a distribution standpoint, trying to make their product more customer centric and focus on that, on that increasing trend, the manufacturing and costs and distribution synergies that they're going to be acquiring here um, as well as just scale and volume. Yep. We definitely want your feedback. Shoot us a, a text or an email at five tool deal at gmail.com. That's five tool deal at gmail.com. The number five tool deal at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in. Subscribe, rate us five stars. And have a great St. Patrick's Day.